When will these things be or when will these things happen? Over in uh, Matthew 24 and 25, that's what we've been looking at this last um, couple of weeks. And really, when you get down to Matthew 24 and 25, you're looking at the last week of Daniel's prophecy is what we're talking about. You're looking at the tribulation period. Um, But we've been saying that we won't be there, thank God, because we go up before that happens in the rapture of the church. That's for everybody who knows Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their lives. We're taken out of here. You know, God always, or not God, in general, you take out the ambassadors before, you know, war. And you know what? Before the tribulation happens, all of the ambassadors, that's us, the body of Christ, we're all going to be taken out of here, praise God, before all of that happens in an event called the rapture of the church. And we're going to look at that in the coming days. We're going to look at the rapture of the church and just, just see what all of that is about. But let me look again. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. It says here, Give none offense neither to the Jews, the Gentiles, or to the church of God. Okay, so you have the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. Three groups of people that the Bible speaks to and speaks about. The Jews, as we've said, is the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're the direct descendants, and they're the Jewish people. Then you have the Gentiles. The Gentiles are everybody else, okay? All of the heathen nations, as you would say. And then the church is made up of Jew and Gentile that have made Jesus the Lord and Savior for life, that have got born again, praise God, and are now part of the body of Christ. And that is the church, praise God. And that's in the event of the rapture, who goes up is the church. So the the rapture is for the church. What we're looking at here is not the rapture of the church. We're looking at the tribulation period that happens after the rapture. You'll have the rapture, then there'll be the tribulation period for seven years, and then you have the second coming when Jesus returns to the earth and sets up his kingdom for a thousand years on this earth. Praise God. That's that's what's ahead. Amen. But you know what? One of these days, you know what? We're going to be out of here if we are alive at the, at the rapture of the church, which is looking like it. Amen. Um, but you know what? Let, let, we'll just keep serving Jesus and telling people about Jesus and building the church. I'm not living, you know what, on pause as I'm waiting for the rapture. No, when you understand the rapture, you keep, you keep being productive as a believer. Do you know what? That's, we're to get on with our mission. Amen, which is to um, build local church, really, and to, um, to tell people about Jesus, to teach people, train people. Amen. All of those aspects of the body of Christ and the church. Amen. Now, over in um, Ma- uh, Matthew 24, Jesus was asked questions by the disciples. And in verse 3, it says, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. So when will these things be? When will the temple be? Um, will be um, not one stone upon another is what we looked at. That happened in 70 AD. And then the sign of thy coming and the end of the age, you, as you keep reading in, in Matthew 24, you, you see that um, happen. You see, you see the, the signs leading up to Jesus' return. And, um, and then you see Jesus coming back and, and the end of the Jewish age and going into the millennial kingdom. And you see that right at the end of Matthew 25. You see right up to the end of Matthew 25 and then it's set up with a king, praise God, and going into the 
the kingdom on earth. Amen. Now, we're part of the kingdom of God, okay? But there's going to be the kingdom on earth where Jesus actually is going to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years, and we're going to be with him. Praise God. Amen. So we'll be with him during that thousand-year reign. Now, let me, let me just show something here just for a, for a moment. We have been looking through Matthew 24, but let me just show a verse. I, let, I didn't get to this last week. I actually over overpassed it. I just want to come back to it for a second because we have been looking through Matthew 24. We've been looking at the beginning of sorrows and then, you know what, into that great tribulation and period. And you see all of those things, those events that are building up to Jesus returning in his second coming. You know, but we live in the church age and we can still see, you know, the world under groan and under pressure. We can see that pressure is going to intensify. We are seeing, like, so to speak, the stage being set as well around us for the millennium. You know, like it's like the play, or not the, the millennium, the tribulation. It's like a play, okay? And behind the curtain, we're seeing everything being set up. But one of these days, we're going up and so is the curtain. And what's going to play out? is those seven years of tribulation. But thank God when the curtain goes up, that's us going up in the, the rapture of the church. Amen. And when the curtain comes down, that's the end, the second coming, and we're coming back with Jesus. Amen. Okay? So we won't be here, but we are seeing the players. Not all of them, because, you know, the Antichrist can't come on the scene until we're raptured and different things like that. But we're seeing, we're seeing Europe rising in power. We're seeing the Jewish nation, you know what, um, becoming a, a nation again, so that then they can have that temple and all of those things. We're seeing everything being set up. We're seeing the technology today so that you, you can um, buy or sell, only buy or sell by, you know what, digital transactions cashless society. We're watching all of that. All of that's happening. You know what? There's places where you can go. You go now and you can't use your cash. You have to use your card. But you know what? That's uh, when the mark of the beast comes in, you're going to have be putting your hand out. Whatever way that's all going to work out. But we won't, that won't be us putting our hand out, thank God. Amen. But you know what? For the people who are there at that time, here's something I just want to bring out for a moment here. During the tribulation period, there is going to be mass evangelism. And there's going to be many people are going to get saved during the tribulation period, but it's going to be at a huge cost because many of them are going to have their head taken off for believing the gospel. Okay? Let me just show this um, verse here, Matthew 24, verse 14. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom this is talking about the gospel of the kingdom. That's what's going to be preached during the tribulation period is the gospel of the kingdom. Telling people, get ready, the king's coming. Get ready, the millennium's coming. And it's good news. Amen. It's going to be really good news for those people during the tribulation period. Okay? So it's in the gospel of the kingdom. It's going to be preached in all the world for a witness unto, look at that, unto all nations. Okay? And then shall the end come. Now, this is talking about during the tribulation period. Okay? Now, you've maybe heard it. I've heard it taught this way. Many people teach that, you know what, if, if we don't bring the gospel to the world, then Jesus can't come and rapture us out of here. If any has heard those kind of things said, you know, that's not true. Okay? This is speaking here during the tribulation period. And yes, during the church age, how many know the gospel has went to the world? 
praise God for it. That was the commission given to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But this is talking about during that seven years of tribulation. Do you see, during the seven years of tribulation, there's going to be mass evangelism, even in all of that pressure. You know what? When the, tribu- or when the rapture happens, there's going to be 144,000 Jews that are going to give their lives to the Lord. Wake up. They're going to know what's happening, and they're going to preach during that first half of the tribulation. Then you have the two witnesses as well. And then you have an angel flying in heaven as well during the second half of the tribulation. How all that's going to work out, the Bible just tells us that there's going to even be an angel telling people, you know what, to repent, believe the gospel, amen, and go into the millennial kingdom with Jesus. And people, there's many people will receive, there's many people won't, okay? Um, Let me look over here for a second in Revelations and for chapter 7. And this is during the tribulation period here. And it says here in verse 9, it says, After this I beheld, and lo, look at this, a great multitude, okay, which no man could number. Look at this, of all nations and kindred and people and tongue. And it says, And they stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and uh, and palms in their hand. Verse 13, And one of the elders um, answered, saying unto me, What are these that are red and white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the, in the blood of the Lamb. I'm just showing you, during the tribulation period, these people, the reason they're in heaven is because they died for their faith, okay, during those seven years. And so they're now in heaven and saying, who are these? These are the people who got saved during the tribulation period. They're now in heaven. Praise God. And so even in that intense pressure, there's going to be many people that are going to get saved, but it's going to come at a cost. Praise God that we can receive Jesus in the time period of grace now. You hear many times people say, I'm going to receive Jesus on the other side. Let me tell you, it's so much easier to receive him now. And not have to go through that tribulation period. Amen. But again, there's going to be mass um, evangelism during the tribulation. And let me tell you, many Jews and Gentiles will get saved and praise God and they'll make it to heaven. Amen. Praise God. And then praise God into the, the millennial kingdom at the end of those seven years. Amen. Now, let me look at this here as well this evening for a bit because I did talk about during the tribulation period you know what, there's going to be a lot of pressure during that time. And Revelations brings out a good bit of it as well, lets us know more things. Revelation shows us the seal judgments that we talked about on previous messages there, and the trumpet judgments. But you know what, in this last three and a half years that we were looking at last week, what's happening during those last three and a half years is what's called bowl judgments, okay? And it intensifies and the same last three and a half years of the tribulation, they are going to be severe. I mean, the pressure in that time is going to be amazing, so it is, on the people that are on this planet. And 
These bold judgments are going to be poured out. So you read just everything that's happened in the tribulation period. Revelation then opens up and shows us even more that has happened during that time period. Look, look at this here just for a moment. I just want to show you these bold, bold judgments here quickly. Um, Revelation 16 and verse 1, it says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your way and, and pour out the, the vials or the bowls of the wrath of God upon the earth. The, the tribulation period, God's pouring out his wrath upon the earth at this time, okay? We're under, under, under grace. Praise God. Amen. We're in the dispensation of grace. You see, there's a different dispensation. Many times people say, when's there ever going to be justice? I'm telling you, there's going to be justice. And God's pouring out these bowls on the earth through these angels at this time. Um, look what it says here in verse um, 2. The first went and poured out the vials upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sores upon um, the, the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped the image. When the first bowls are poured out, all of those who have taken the mark of the beast, you see, the mark of the beast comes in at the second half of the tribulation. It is enforced on people when the Antichrist declares himself as God. Then the mark of the beast comes and it is enforced on people. You have to worship the Antichrist. It's a whole system. Everything's involved in it. I'll tell you, it's going to be a horrible time. And people who receive the mark, these bold, this bold judgment is going to be upon them. They have, they have taken allegiance to the Antichrist. Okay? And um, the Bible says that they're going to have sores. Like uh, Some people say it'll be boils. Other people say it'll be ulcers. Um, the, the word means ulcers. It means hurtful ulcers. So some kind of a reaction is going to happen to their physical body. That's the, that's the first bowl. And it's upon those who took the mark of the beast. Okay? And again, a reason I'm saying all of these things is because you will hear people teach that we heard a trumpet and we're in the trumpet. No, we're not in that time period. Okay? Sometimes people take these things out and say that we're in this time period now. No, we are not. We're in the church now. Amen? Then the second um, vial or bowl, and that's in verse 3, and it says, And the second angel poured out the vial upon the sea, and it became as blood as of a dead man, and every living soul in the sea died. Earlier we seen we're a third. Now we're seeing everything in the sea dies. Okay? Then the, the third um, vial, this is letting us know in verse 4, that the rivers and the fountains of water, they became as blood. So this is the fresh water then affected as well with the third. Just like previously you've seen it in a lesser manner, now you're seeing it in a greater manner because it's, it's intensifying. The fourth bowl, the Bible lets us know, which was great heat. And it says that the fourth angel in verse 8, it said, poured out the vial upon the sun, and it says, And the power was given to, uh, unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. Now, we know what it's like today, just with the heat today. You know, you're like this. Can you imagine when the, the vial is poured out on the sun? You know, those flares are going to come off of the sun. It is going to bring intensifying heat upon the planet. Um, Whenever I would have, when we had the charcoal barbecue, we have a gas one now, but when we had the charcoal one, 
Aye, if, it, if it was going low, I just used to take petrol out and I just poured petrol all over the top of the barbecue and it would just go, Woof. That's just something like what's going to happen here. They pour the bowl out and the sun is going to, Woof. and the heat, people are going to be actually scorched with the heat off the sun. And look what it says in verse 9, And men that were scorched with great heat, um, and it says, And they blasphemed the name of God. Instead of repenting and giving God glory, what they did was they blasphemed Him. And this just reminds me, when I read this, of when Moses went down to Egypt, and the plagues just intensified. And Moses' heart got harder and harder and harder. Instead of letting the children of Israel go, let me tell you, he got harder. Instead of the people repenting here, what happens is they get harder and harder and harder towards God. Now, verse, um, look at verse 10. This talks about the, the fifth vial, and it is intense darkness. And it says, And the, the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. So Antichrist's kingdom is affected here with darkness, just like Egypt was affected. Do you remember with the darkness in Egypt? Do you remember? The Bible says it was so dark in Egypt that it was darkness that could be felt. It was darkness that you couldn't penetrate. You couldn't get through the darkness. You couldn't see. You, couldn't, you wouldn't have been able to see your animals. You wouldn't have been able to see your livestock. You wouldn't have been able to see your family, the kids. That's the way it's going to be here. This darkness is going to be so thick. This is not natural darkness, okay? Um, I think about this. I think about the Spider-Man films and Spider-Man 3. You know, when that black stuff, you know, got, it got upon him. And it, 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 it changed his personality. It changed everything. It, you know, it got on him. Well, let me tell you, this darkness is going to be so intense, it's going to be a darkness that you can feel. Look at this here, verse 10, it says, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and, a, and his kingdom was full of darkness. Um, and it says here, And they gnawed their tongues for the pain. You have to be in a lot of pain whenever you chew on your tongue. Because if you have ever bit your tongue, let me tell you, it is painful. Now, we were sitting the other week, and we were eating something, and I let an awful yelp out of me, because I bit my tongue, and when I say I bit it, I bit it so bad that they were keeping me going, you know, laughing and joking because I bit my tongue. And then I showed them my tongue two days later, and said, look at that. Under my tongue was totally red with blood, not coming out of it, but blood that had been bruised. And I mean, when I showed them, they got such a shock. I'm telling you, the pain of that, the top of my tongue, it's still sensitive. So it is, that's how hard I bit it. If you're chewing on your tongue, do you know what you think? Of, you know, you read, you read Matthew 24 and then overlay the, the seals, the trumpets and the bowl judgments upon that as well. So you're seeing what Antichrist is doing on the planet. But you also see that God is judging the earth at that present moment in time as well. Look in verse um, um, 12. This is the sixth vial. 
And it lets us know here that when the, the sixth vial is poured out, what happens is the great river Euphrates, it dries up so that the kings from the east are able to come to the battle of Armageddon. Okay? Now, at the minute, you know, at times you'd see the, really, the great river Euphrates, it's dried up in places, so it has. People thought it would never dry up. They've seen parts of it dry up, and they'll say, oh, there are prophecies coming to pass. That's not this, okay? But uh, God's maybe letting people know that, you know, it can dry up. But I'm telling you, this part is going to dry up the great river Euphrates and make a highway so that people can come and come across. And the kings of the east are from the east of Israel, and this is the Oriental lands. So the Oriental lands are going to be able to come walk straight across, but it's not just the Oriental lands that are coming to the Battle of Armageddon, okay? Now, in between the sixth and the seventh seal, what happens is, that the Bible lets us know that there's demonic influence then that goes into the world to draw nations to the battle of Armageddon. And you can also put this with Psalms too. Why do the heathens rage and imagine a vain thing? What would make people think that they can actually fight and defeat God at the battle of Armageddon? What would cause people to come to the battle of Armageddon? Well, what's going to cause people to come to the battle of Armageddon is it lets us know here that there's going to be... Let me just read this, actually. Verse 13, it says, And I saw um, three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, who is Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, who is the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So there's going to be three demons that come out of these characters. This is what John is seeing, okay? And those demons are going to go into the world and they're going to draw the kings of the world to the battle of Armageddon. Now, not everybody comes because the, in, at the end of Matthew 25, there are sheep nations and there are goat nations, okay? Sheep nations are people who didn't come against Israel, okay? And that stood with the Jewish people. Goat nations are those that align themselves with the Antichrist. Okay? And so there's going to be nations that don't come. Okay? There's going to be nations that won't buy into it all. But there's going to be nations where, where they do come. And they come to the battle of Armageddon. Okay? God sets the trap and they all come. Okay? Satan takes advantage of the situation, but he doesn't know he's walking into a trap. And at the end of the battle of Armageddon, the Bible says there's going to be so much blood that there's going to be to the horse's bridle because Jesus isn't coming in the second coming. He's not coming like in his first coming. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. Let me tell you, when he comes in his second coming, he's king of kings and he is lord of lords. And he's going to deal with the Antichrist and those that align themselves with him. And the Bible says there's going to be so much, so many bodies that there's actually an angel the bible says that's going to appear right in front of the sun and call the birds to come and feast on the bodies of kings and captains and generals and all of that there you read that in the book of revelation birds vultures are going to come and feast and it's a great supper that they're called to because Jesus has won. Amen. I'm telling you, and the Antichrist and the false prophet are castrated into hell. 
That's, that's to come. But thank God we're not going to be here for all of these bowls. Thank God we won't be here for the seals or the trumpets. Praise God. The only thing we're going is when the trumpet goes at the rapture and we're raptured out of here. That's why the Bible says there's so much comfort for us when you understand end times from a biblical perspective because then you don't live in fear thinking that you're going to be here and people then won't be able to bring you into fear that you're or if somebody says oh we're in the bold judgment now you'll say no no the bold judgments can't happen yet because we're still here the seventh bowl or vial I should say what happens is there's a great earthquake that actually splits um, Jerusalem into three parts, okay? And also great hail. Look in verse 17, it says, And the angel um, poured out the vial into the air, and this is going to cause um, these hail to come and cause this tremendous um, earthquake. And it says, And there came a voice out of the temple of heaven. So you see, the Antichrist at this time he set up, like, so to speak, headquarters in the temple on the earth. Okay? He proclaimed himself as God. But this is a voice from the temple in heaven. Amen? I'm telling you, God, God's not dethroned. Just because Antichrist looks like he has gained a, a, a footing. And it says from the throne saying, it is done. And it says, and, and there was a voice and thunder and lightning, and there was a great earthquake. Look at this, such as was not seen upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. This is the greatest earthquake ever to hit this planet. And it says, and the, the great city was divided into three parts, talking about Jerusalem. And it says, then the cities of the nations fell. So let me tell you, not alone did Jerusalem separate into three parts, but also, let me tell you, the cities of the world crumbled. That's how severe this is. That's how much of a shaking there is. It says, And great um, Babylon came into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wrath of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath because of all that Babylon was doing. It was Antichrist, really. Um, the city that goes along with the Antichrist kingdom. And you see, and, and this is Revelation chapter 16, Revelation 17, the religious system is taken care of. Revelation 18, the city of Babylon is taken care of. And Revelation 19, Jesus comes back at the end of the battle of Armageddon, praise God. And we go into the, the kingdom then after that. Look at this here. Not alone is the cities of the world toppled, but also look at this. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. So what a shaking this is that all of the mountains of the earth disappear. Islands disappear. Many of those islands have came up from eruptions from underneath the ground. They all disappear. Some holiday places won't be there. <laughs> the, the brochures will have to be re rewritten. <laughs> Now, when you look at all of this here, you know what? There's why I don't worry about global warming. I don't worry about all of them things. I don't live in fear of all of them. It doesn't matter what some of the people say, the world's going to end and, you know, in a few years, unless we fix it. 
Isn't it amazing? God comes in here and racks the whole thing. The sun flares are coming off it. They're concerned about flares at the minute. Imagine when this bowl hits the sun and the flares that come off and people are being scorched. People are having sores. And then you would think all of the other ones that took place with the demons coming out of the bottomless pit and all of that kind of stuff. That's all happening as well. All of this is happening at this time. It's no wonder Jesus said, unless that time was shortened. I'm telling you that everything would be destroyed. Then it says as well, then there was great hail that fell. And the weight of these, based on the, the, the weight uh, that I've read over different people, people give different weights. It's hard to, to know exactly with these here, but I've read anything from 56 pounds to 114 pounds. I think most people will just round it off and just say 100 pounds, okay? Can you imagine 100 pound hailstones falling out of the sky? Snowmen, Olaf falling out of the sky. You know, you think of a pound of sugar and then think of a bag with 100, shopping bag with 100 bags in and that falling out. It won't do good for the cars. So you can see during this time, tremendous pressure. Thank God our time is the church. And so the Bible, when it's speaking to the church, it's speaking to us. And we're not going to be there for any of that. Praise God. Because we're going up in the rapture. Amen. Now, in Matthew 24, there's scriptures here then it goes on to talk about. And it's not talking about the rapture. It is talking about the second coming. Okay? So let me go back to Matthew 24 here for a bit here. Matthew 24. And look here, this is just, this is a second coming. We referred to this last week, but let me just read it again. It says, For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is the second coming at the end of the seven years of tribulation, okay? Verse 27, amen. And then verse 28, it says here, it says, for wheresoever the carcass is, there the eagles be gathered together. People debate on what this is. Some people say that it's like, you know, people are being gathered to Jesus, like a bird is being, uh, like birds to a, a, a dead body. You know what? I, I, I tend to look more at what I said a moment ago um, in Revelations, where it talks about those birds being summoned, the vultures being summoned to the, that great supper to partake of, of kings and captains, those that have died in the um, battle of Armageddon. Actually, that scripture there, the next one is just where you will find that if you want to read on that. And you'll see where it talks about that angel in the sun and the birds being called to feast on that. And then it says, verse um, 29, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall give uh, uh, shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. This is all at the end of the tribulation. A shaken on this planet like you would not believe. The place going dark and the earth is going to go dark before that lightning from the east to the west comes when Jesus comes in his second coming. And that's why um, Jesus was telling 
those that are hid in different things in those days, don't you come out with false messiahs saying he's here or he's in the holy of holies because you won't miss him because when Jesus is talking about himself, you won't miss me whenever I come in the second coming, Jesus is saying, because when I come in the second coming, I'm telling you, everything's going to go dark and then I'm going to burst on the scene and everything, the lights are going to come up. It's going to be amazing. Amen. And Jesus is going to come back in his second coming and set up the millennial kingdom. Now, um, and uh, you know what? The Bible tells us that every else and when he comes back. Let me just look forward there to Matthew 24, verse 32 for a second. Now, after this, after Jesus has talked about, you know, the signs and all of those kind of things, then he gives an example here of the fig tree, okay? And it says here in verse 32, it says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When the branch is yet tender, that's talking about soft. When there are just wee shoots coming off, okay? It says, and puts forth leaves, okay? And this is just in their, the beginning stages, okay? So wee shoots, well, wee leaves coming off a fig tree. As look at it, it says, Know you that summer is near, okay? It's close. And what Jesus is saying, when you see the fig tree, and you see we shoots come off, it lets you know that it's come out of winter, okay? Now you're in the spring, and then it's looking forward to the summer, okay? So it's letting you know that summer is close, okay? And what Jesus is saying is, when you see these things, you're right there, okay? It's close. So for the, the people um, during the tribulation period, they're going to be able to come and look at these things, okay? And they're going to know that we are very close. It's going to bring comfort to people. It's going to bring hope to people to know that we are very close to summer coming. We're very close to Jesus coming back and going into the, the kingdom. When they see the Antichrist, when there's, there's going to be severe pressure for those seven years. But they're going to be able to be able to look, people who are alert and awake are going to be able to look spiritually at the scriptures and know exactly what is happening. They're not going to miss the mark. That's, and then you have the 144,000 preaching, the two witnesses preaching, and an angel preaching. And people who are open to it, they're not going to be asleep during this period. They're not going to be deceived during this period. They're going to know what's happening, okay? Now, the fig tree, in the Bible, the fig tree speaks of, of Israel in several places. Like, I'll just call these couple of verses out. Hosea 9 and verse 10, Jeremiah 24, and um, Jeremiah um, chapter 8 and verse 13, Micah 4 and verse 4. You know, the Bible talks about Israel being the fig tree, okay? Um, there's people who look at this only as just be ready, okay? There's other people who look at it like this is talking about Israel. When you see Israel being a nation again, okay? And I tend to go that direction, okay? When you look at Jesus told the disciples that in 70 AD, we know it is 70 AD, when there would be not one stone upon another of the temple, okay? At that time, 2,000 years ago, okay? Jesus said what would happen would be Israel would be dispersed like seed across the nations of the world. And so Israel was not a nation, okay? 
until 1948 that, na that Israel became a nation again. And in 1948 it formed as a nation. And I'm telling you, Israel has been... They came from a, a, a desert place where nothing was growing. I'm telling you, weeds. And they have turned Israel into one of the most fruitful lands in the world that export fruit and veg all around the world in a, a desert, in a place that wasn't fruitful, that lay barren basically for years. You look at the technology that Israel has produced. They're an inventive people. And they have blossomed. And so we can look in our day and we can see that Israel is a nation again. That's amazing in our day. Do you know why? Because there's going to be a temple again and they're ready for it. Do you see, we can look in our day and see Israel's set in place. Okay, it's, it's, it's set in place today. Okay, then in verse 33 it says, So likewise you, when you see these things, know that it is near. Okay. These things are closer than we think. It is near, it is even at the door. Okay? Verse 34, Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Let me tell you, the, the generation that sees everything in place, okay? That generation will not pass. Now, when you, we read Matthew 24, you know what? You can see whenever Israel's a nation, you can see when the Antichrist is on the scene, you can see when the Antichrist declares himself as God. And all of that time period, and then Jesus comes back. Let me tell you, there is, a there is a generation that will be able to look at the stage and see every player on the stage. And this is to bring comfort that for those people, especially during the tribulation period, to let them know when you see this play, the tribulation, okay, playing out in real time. When you see this play, you know that you're the generation that is going to see it all right until Jesus comes back. Is it any wonder he said, he who endures to the end shall be saved? That's not for us in the church. That's for those in the tribulation period. Amen. So that generation, you know what, there, there's people that when Israel became a nation, boy, they started thinking that, you know, in 40 years time, Jesus is coming again. There was books written. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. And it was a bestseller. But how many of you know, 1988 has come and gone. Because that was only part of the puzzle. You have to see all of the players in place. There's a generation that's going to be able to look and say, Israel's in place. There's the temple. There's a peace treaty has been signed for seven years. And they're going to know we're in this time period. Amen. Then in verse um, 35... It says here, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Let me tell you, God's word comes to pass. Who would ever have thought that Israel would have become a nation again? You know what? Any other nation that was dispersed, they lost their identity, everything. They, they stopped being a nation. Any other ancient culture stopped being a nation. Israel survived for those 2,000 years and came back again as a, a nation. Why? Because God's word said it'll happen. 
Look what it says here, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Let me tell you, for us, you can take that for, for every dispensation, okay? If you have a promise from God, you hold on to it. Amen? Amen? You hold on to it. These things bring us comfort even in the church age. You know, like, we're watching all of these things being set up. We're watching Europe rise up again because there would be a revised Roman Empire. It's all happening before our eyes. We're watching technology to where you, you, um, you know, will only be able to buy or sell unless you have digital transactions of some description. We're watching all of that before our eyes. It says, but off that day and hour knows no man, know not the angels, um, but my Father only. And, and, and Jesus said in, in Mark 13 and verse 32, that even the Son of Man, even Jesus himself, doesn't know that day or hour. Okay, so how do you reason that out? Well, the reason Jesus said, I can't tell you the exact calendar date, is because Jesus humbled himself and became a man. And so when Jesus was on this planet, he lived by having a relationship with his father. And he, knew, he only did what his father told him to do and said what his father told him to say. Jesus humbled himself. As a man, Jesus had to grow in wisdom and knowledge, the Bible says. So he stopped acting out of his deity, even though he is deity. One of the qualities of God is omniscience, which means all-knowing. And Jesus, for a period of time, laid down his omniscience. And so that's why he didn't even know. The point I'm bringing out here is Jesus is saying, I can't tell you the calendar date, okay? But what I am doing is showing you the signs so that you can see these signs. And when you see these signs, you know the tribulation period. You'll know you're in Daniel's 70 week. You'll be able to count that thing down. And what he's doing here is for the people in this time period, he's telling them, you need to be ready. And that's what's brought out here, okay? Is to be ready. Let me flick forward there to, to, to Matthew 24, verse 36 for a second. Now, I know there's a lot in all of these things. And sometimes when it's not for your time period, and you see this, it's like, you know what? How does this help me? Well, do you know what? It helps us with timelines. Amen. It really does. It helps us with timelines. It lets us know what's happening. And it lets us know what the tribulation is. And it lets us know that we're not going to be here for it. Amen. And it really does protect us. Look in verse 36 here, what it says. But off that day and hour knows no man. In other words, Jesus is sitting 2,000 years ago. He said, I, I can't tell you the exact date. But what I am going to show you is the signs. And so when you see these things, and especially for them in that tribulation period, when they see the Antichrist stand in the temple and declare himself as God, that is going to be a red flag. That's going to wake up a whole load of them. Because people are going to run to those mountains at that stage. And Jesus said, you get there. Don't you, if you're on the housetop, don't you go even go in to get clothes. You get there as quick as you can. You just leave and go there. It's going to be a red flag. So Jesus said, I can't tell you the day or the hour as in, I'm not telling you a certain calendar date. And that's why anybody that makes predictions 
of when this is going to happen or even the rapture, do not believe them. It's a waste of time. Or if anybody tells you, I know who the Antichrist is, it's a waste of time. They don't. Or I know exactly everything. They don't know exactly everything. Okay? What we have is the signs. And we can see the stage being set up in our time period. Amen? But look what it's saying here. It says, verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days of Noah... It says, for as in the the days that were before the flood, sorry, they, this is talking about the people who didn't know, okay? It says, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah, so you have they and then you have Noah, okay? Entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came. There was people, even Noah, you think about this. Noah has been building an ark for years. And preaching, the Bible called him a a preacher of righteousness. And they still didn't listen. They mocked him. They didn't think it was going to happen. They didn't even basically hear what he said. In one ear and out the other, they classified him as mad for all of those years. Do you know when they woke up? When the flood came. What were they doing? Getting on with life. And there's going to be a bunch of people there going to be, even knowing all of the pressure that's on the earth, they're not even going to be thinking of God. They're going to be getting harder. Everything that happens, they're going to be cursing God. They're not going to repent. Do you know what they're getting on with? Their natural life. It's not amazing that people won't even wake up then. You look at the coronavirus. There was a load of people got interested in, in God for a wee bit. Oh, for a wee bit. Everybody who preaches, their views went through the roof. Bibles were being bought everywhere. And then people get out the outside, start seeing light at the end of the tunnel, forget about God, and back to their normal life again. That's the way people will be here, but there's going to be a whole bunch of other people. That's why I said at the beginning, there's going to be massive world evangelism. There's many people going to get saved. Okay? Why did they not know when Noah's day? Because they didn't listen. And there's going to be a lot of people. We don't know the calendar date, but you can see the signs. And there's a lot of people, even in this time, they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear about the things of God. God's becoming very unpopular in the media world and all of those kind of things. But I'm telling you, there's a bunch of people like us here waking up to the move of God and we're going to use our time that we have with our lives to proclaim Jesus. But the point I'm bringing out here is there was a bunch of people who were asleep. There was someone else who was wide awake. And what was he doing? He was building. He was getting ready. He was getting prepared. That's what it's telling us here in the rest of these parables in Matthew 24 and 25. See, all these parables in Matthew 24 and 25, the ten virgins and all that, has nothing got to do with us in the church age as Christians. Okay? This has all got to do with one thing. The people in the tribulation period, you be like Noah and be awake during this time. Be busy, be alert, 
Be ready. Be watchful. Be on guard. That's what he's telling those in the tribulation period. It is not for us. Amen. Yet in the church age, you many know we're to be diligent about the things of God. We're to be fruitful in the, in the kingdom of God. But we're in a different time. This is really, really good stuff here. Because I'm telling you, this will help you. Amen. Because I have heard all of these taught. I've heard the ten virgins. I've heard it taught that if you're a Christian, your oil could run out. It's not even talking to Christians in our dispensation. It's talking to those in the tribulation period to be ready. Don't be asleep like the wicked. In Noah's day, you be ready. That's what it's talking about. It's nothing got to do with the church. People have said, other people have said that you have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. And if, you don't, if you're not baptized and speak in other tongues, you're not going up in the rapture. This has nothing got to do with the rapture. The rapture isn't in Matthew 24 and 25. What's it deal with? The second coming. Okay? I just want to call these couple of things out just so that you know these things, okay? Just as we close. But in, in look in Matthew 24 and verse 40. Look what it says here. Then shall two be in the field, and one shall be taken and the other left. Let me tell you, this is not the rapture of the church. Okay? This is talking about the days, just like the days of Noah. Okay? In the days of Noah, who was taken? The wicked were taken. Okay? And who remained? Noah. The wicked were taken, and Noah and his family remained and went in, as you would say, kind of a thing like into the new world. Okay? Let me tell you, during the, the, um, the tribulation period, it's not the rapture. We've already gone at this stage in the rapture. We've already been taken. There's a taken for the church. This is when the wicked are taken, just like in the days of Noah, and the one who goes in is who? Is the believer into the millennial kingdom. Okay? So the wicked is taken... And if you keep reading these parables, it lets you know the one that's taken is the one that's taken to the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay? The one that remains is those in the tribulation who have endured to the end and go into the millennial kingdom. So when you read those things, understand that's what it's talking about. So there's one, you have two at the mill, one's gone, one stays. Okay, this is at the end in the second coming. Look in the, um, just for a second here, the good man of the house. That's another parable in verse 44 when it talks about the good man of the house. You know, it's the owner of the house. If the owner knew when the thief would come, he would have been ready with a baseball bat. Okay, but if you're not ready, let me tell you, the thief will come and take everything. But if you are ready, you're ready to go. And that's what these parables are all talking about is be ready. Not for us, those in the tribulation period. Okay, it's all about be what? Ready. And every one of these parables is talking about be ready. It's for people to be alert, to be awake, to be watching the signs. Don't be like the wicked. Be like Noah. Be productive. Be fruitful. Be making a difference during the tribulation. Be telling people what's happening during the tribulation. Make a difference. And then go into the millennial kingdom if you survived. You know what? Not dying for your faith, but you'll still go into the millennial kingdom. Okay? 
Because you'll come, you'll be going there with Jesus. That's another thing. But anyway, do so you look at all of these parables? And I'll just call them out here. There's the parable of the good man. The good man of the house, be ready, okay? You have the parable of the faithful steward, okay? And what is it all about? Be ready. Don't be saying the Lord's delayed is coming, fall asleep, you know what I mean? Not be productive, be ready. You have the ten virgins. There was five that were ready and five that weren't when the, when the, bride, or when the groom came, okay? And so what it's saying is be ready. This is not speaking to the church. That helps us. Amen. Because, boy, I've heard, I'm telling you, there's people use this to talk people out of their salvation. Not that you can lose it, but make you think that you can lose it. Amen. But I'm telling you, when you're saved, the Holy Ghost comes to live in you forever. Sealed forever. It's a permanent dwelling place. This is not speaking to the church. This is speaking to the Jewish people during the tribulation period. Amen? Then you have the parable of the talents. And again, let me just look back, look at the verse, just to show you here, look to verse 30. Because people will see us here, oh, if you're, if you're, we can learn principles from this, but you have to put it in its context. The parable of the talents, one got five, gained another five. One got two, gained another two. What's that showing? Be productive. You're alert. You're awake, just like Noah was alert, building the ark, okay? What about the one who got one? What did he do? He was wicked, and he put his Lord's money where? Into the earth. Now, if you teach this here, these kind of things, you know what I mean, as in, like, to believers without showing the context of this, Look what happens in the last that in verse um, look at verse um, look to, uh, chapter twenty five look in verse thirty for a second the one who wasn't faithful it says and cast that unprofitable servant into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth let me tell you people you know this is talking about people in the tribulation period who are not ready the whole thing is about being ready but thank God. We are ready for the rapture because we've made Jesus the Lord and Savior for life. We won't even be here. For us to be ready now for the rapture, you need to have your sins forgiven, praise God. You need to be born again, amen. And you need to be saved, basically. That's all encompassed in that package deal, amen, to where you are made Jesus, the Lord and Savior of your life. Once you've made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life and you're born again, you are ready for our event, which is the rapture of the church. Okay? For these people, they need to make it through that seven years and go into the millennial kingdom. And that's what they're, that's what they have to do. So they need to be alert, to be awake. Amen. To know this king is coming and to put faith in the king and the coming king. And then Jesus, he burst through those skies at the end of those seven years. And the Bible says he separates the goats and the sheep and they go into the millennial kingdom. Matthew 24 and 25, and I'm not going into it in depth, or we'll be here for months in this. Because people devote their whole life to this. That's all they study. I don't. I feel like sometimes I know a, a thimble amount compared to people who study this. That's, some people, that's all they preach is end times. I don't. Amen. I try to cover a good bit of ground. 
And so I don't have the depth maybe that other people have in some of these things. And if I did spend time in here, we'll be here forever. And sometimes I just like to know what's happening. I like a good grounding in it as far as I know. I can see the timelines. I know I'm secure. Amen. I'm not living enduring to the end. I'm not going to be cast out. Neither are you because we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't apply to us. We're saved. We've all, we've all, we're already secure in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we're going to be with the King when He comes back. Amen. Because we're His joint heir. And we're going to be with Him for that thousand years and forever. Praise God. Amen. Um, Amen. I'll just read. Here's something that people say, and I'm definitely closed in this because I want to just leave this and we'll go on. But if you read there, you read those there, you'll see that it's the king that's coming because it's a kingdom that's being set up. Amen. But here's, here's something that many will say. They say that the, the fig tree illustrates the nearness of the second coming, okay? The parable of the good man and the house illustrates being ready. The good steward illustrates faithfulness. The virgins illustrate watchfulness. The talents illustrate diligence. But really, all of it is talking about being ready for the second coming of Jesus. But the church is not looking for the second coming. The church is waiting for the rapture. Amen? And so we'll look at that. And thank God we won't even be in all of these things. We miss the seals. We miss the, drum, the trumpets. And we miss the bowl judgments. Amen. And that's why the Bible tells us there's so much comfort for us as believers. End times is meant to comfort us. It's not meant to terrify us as believers. Amen. Should terrify the world and wake them up and cause them to look to a Savior. Amen. But for us, it should excite us as believers. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We'll close there this evening.